But that's what I thought. And so, man, when we got out of the truck, I started then. I mean, I don't know if he, I, well, I don't know really how he felt, but I knew how it made me feel. So when I got a hold of the shovel, there wasn't a time I wasn't using it all day long. And I'd see him over there, he'd, man, I'm getting hot. I'm going to have to sit down. I'd just smile, keep working, man. I'd just dig it all day long, getting after it. And at the end of the day, he walks up to me and he says, young man, I guess you beat me. And he just died out laughing. And so I began to see real quick that he had just conned me into doing most of the work that day. But that was all right. He may have been laughing, but he was laughing as a loser. Can you say amen? <laughs> so I wasn't I wouldn't too bad worried about it. Now, you may not be hyper competitive like I am, but all of us want victory in our life. All of us want to succeed in every area of our life. See, I don't know anybody in here that don't want victory, don't want success when it comes to your personal ministry. Now, how many of you know we all got a personal ministry? Brother Scotty was talking this morning about how every believer needs to be serving. You need to be serving because, listen, you have a place in the body of Christ. God has put you where you are for a specific purpose and reason. God has placed you right here at Mount Zion so that you might be a member in His body fulfilling the purpose of the head. You have a personal ministry. That may be a praying ministry, a teaching ministry, a preaching ministry. That may be a missions ministry. That may be, there's all kind of different ways you can serve inside the body of Christ, but I want to be successful at my own individual ministry. I want victory in that. I want to preach the gospel across the street and around the world effectively by the power of God as God gives opportunity. That's what I want to do. Now, I don't know anybody that don't want to be successful in, in their own marriage. Amen? See, let me tell you what I want. I, I want victory in my marriage, and what I mean by that, I want a marriage that God is pleased with and I'm pleased with. See, I, I want to uh, show forth through my marriage the love that Christ has for the church. Amen? I want God to be pleased with the relationship I have with my wife. That's a very important thing. But now listen, I also want to have a marriage I'm pleased with. I don't want to just have a marriage that I endure. And there will be times in every marriage that you have to endure. But I also want to enjoy it. That's victory. That's success. I don't know of anybody, anybody in this place that don't want to be successful, that don't want victory in their parenting. I don't know about you, but I want to raise some godly kids. Let me tell you what I found out. Godly kids are good kids. And good kids grow up to be good citizens, productive adults that make a difference in society. But it starts when they're this big, not when they're this big. So I don't want to fail in my parenting. I want to be victorious in my parenting. I want to raise some godly kids who make a difference in the world that they grew up in. I don't know of anybody that don't want success or victory in your profession. See, I don't care if you're digging ditches. I want to be the best ditch digger I can be. And you ought to be the same way. And whatever God has put in your hands to do it, the Bible says do it as unto the Lord. And when you do that, guess what happens? Even your work becomes worship. Amen? Whether I'm digging ditches or cooking meals or doing deals or whatever I'm doing, listen, if I'm doing it as unto the Lord and I'm doing it in a way that God is pleased, then guess what? It becomes worship unto Him. So I want victory. 
I don't know of anybody that don't want victory. And I got some great news for you. If you are here this morning and you're a child of God, you've placed your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and you've been made right with a holy God through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to understand Jesus has purchased victory for you and the Word of God has promised victory to you. To all of us. But let me tell you what I believe God wants. God wants continual conquest. Steady victory. Amen? Let me tell you what I mean by that. Just in, from my own experience as, as a child of God, as I've, as I've been following Jesus, I've come to find out that many times my walk with Christ is just like a roller coaster. You ever been there? You're real high on Jesus one minute and real low the next. You're following closely one minute and you seem to fall behind the next. Now, we're all growing in this thing and, and, and we should all be growing and realize that, listen to me now, God's grace is sufficient for you daily. His mercies are new every morning. All of that we know is true. We all need God's grace as we grow to become more like Christ, as we learn to follow Him. But we'll be learning. And we'll be growing. And our victory should be more constant. Our conquest should be continual. We should be steadily moving upward instead of down and up and all over the place. And by God's power, according to God's promise, we can learn to do that. Now what we find here in Joshua chapter 7 is the nation of Israel who are not walking in continual conquest. They're, they're not because we find in Joshua chapter 7 that they're actually suffering a great defeat. Now what I want to do this morning, I want to take um, the Word of God, this Old Testament story that is our example, and I want us to learn from the example that we see on the pages of Scripture. I want to learn from their mistakes. Because they made a few right here. And because of their mistakes, listen to me now, they lost the, they, they lost the battle. They, they suffered a defeat instead of walking in victory. They're, they're claiming Canaan. They're, they're learning what that means, but part of learning means knowing how to deal with the defeat that we sometimes have as believers, or at least how not to be defeated. And so that's what I want to do today. I want us to look at three main points here, and I want us to learn how to live in continual conquest, steady victory as a believer. Let's look in Joshua chapter 7. We're going to read the first five verses. I'm going to pray for you, give you three quick points, and I'm done. Look what it says. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, and the son of Zabdi, and the son of Zerah, and the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. Everybody say the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethaven. And in the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And when he returned to Joshua, and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai. And make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. They ain't much to Ai, that's really what they said. It's just a small city and, and it's going to be a small battle you ain't got to send everybody just send a few just a few thousand let's go on 
Watch verse 4. So there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about 36 men. For they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. And I'm asking you now that you make this truth real to us in a way like only you can. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Speak through me by your power to make this truth real to these people. Lord, convict where conviction is needed. Lord, I'm praying that you comfort where comfort is needed. You know what we need better than I. We know what we need. And so, Lord, I'm asking you now to do it by your power. God, I can do nothing. I am nothing without you. The work can't be done effectively, so we're giving you complete control of everything that happens here. Speak to me, speak through me, hide me behind the cross, and use me for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen. Now, I want you to get the picture. You remember two weeks ago when we were talking about uh, the nation of Israel coming into the promised land, the Bible says that they came to the place called Jericho. And if you remember, Jericho was known of as one of the most populated, if not the most populated city in the world at that time. Not only did it have a lot of people, but it was well fortified. The walls of Jericho were um, uh, legendary and still are today. And so nobody ever thought that this fortified, well-populated, well-trained city was ever going to be overcome by anybody. But by the power of God, God took a bunch of ragtag slaves that had just spent 40 years in the wilderness, brought them to the gate, to the walls of Jericho, and by his power, they overcame that great city. Now, that's a, lot, a, a much different thing than what we're reading here in Joshua chapter 7. Ai and Jericho are two different places. Ai has a, has a small name and it's a small name, and it's a very small city. Just two letters that's in his name, and uh, it's also very small as far as uh, it's compared to Jericho. I mean, it's a very small place. And, but when they got there, instead of having the victory that God had promised, they suffered a great defeat, a great defeat. So the first point that I want you to see is that small battles can lead to huge defeat. Small battles can lead to huge defeat in your life, in your walk with Jesus, and in our church. See, there's a lot of things that we deal with that we see as small things. Amen? These people saw uh, the place called Ai as a small thing. Look what it says there in Joshua chapter 7, verse 3. And they returned to Joshua, the men who went out to scout out the situation. And they said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai. I said, We don't need the whole army. All we need is just about two or three thousand, because this is a very small place that's going to have a very small battle. Small battles can lead to huge defeat in my life and in yours. Now, what are some of the things that we sometimes see as small things? I, I've counseled with men. I've talked with men. 
uh, a whole lot about the problem of pornography. Let me tell you something. Pornography is running rampant across this nation and in this world. I was listening to, just last week, Dr. James Dobson on Family Talk, and he said something about pornography that absolutely blew me away. He said that right now statistics show that 68% of men in the church are struggling with pornography. 68%. And that's only the ones that are willing to admit it, to, to admit they have a problem with this. Porno, pornographic websites are numbered more than any other website you could find on the internet. Now, let me tell you the problem though. Most men see that as a very small thing. Are you hearing me? And they think like, well, I, you know, Brother Israel, I may not supposed to be, but I'm just looking, I'm not touching. I'm, I'm not going ahead and doing what I'm thinking. But let me tell you something. I can promise you, do not believe the lie of the enemy. Pornography, it may seem like a small battle to you, but it can lead to a huge defeat. Huge defeat. You, see, you need to realize, guys, that pornography actually rewires your brain in such a way that it becomes very hard for you to ever have a real intimate relationship with a flesh and blood woman. And that's a problem. And that can certainly be a huge defeat in a marriage. Are you hearing me? I remember just years ago, um, Dr. Vance Pittman, he said something in a message at a men's conference. He was preaching to a bunch of men. He was talking about the problem uh, of pornography. And he, he said that he was talking about how it had affected his own church. One of the, his associate pastors in his church had a problem with pornography and his wife actually found out about what was going on and it caused great turmoil in their marriage. And, and the, the man kept telling his wife, look, I've, I've done this thing. It's really not that big of a deal. Uh, I, I'm just, we'll get over it. We'll get past it. But he never really dealt with that sin. He didn't see it as a huge battle. He didn't see it as a big thing. And before long, guess what happened? The Bible is true when it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What you think about and what you allow into your eye gate, into your mind, will also control how you act. Amen. Believe me. Believe me. What you look at matters. What you listen to matters. Because it will affect how you live. It will affect what you do. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 17. You've got to be careful what you, what you think on, what you dwell on. Well, this pastor kept dwelling on things that he knew were immoral, that he knew was wrong. He didn't see it as a big deal. And before long, he was unfaithful to his wife, got a divorce, lost his ministry, and greatly damaged the church, a church that God was using and church that God was growing. It all started with what he viewed as a little battle. It led to a huge defeat. See, a lot of Satan lies to us, and he's the, Jesus said he's a, a liar and the father of lies. Amen. The, the, the scripture says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can get you to view these battles that you face in your life as little bitty things, then he can cause it to become huge defeats for you and for me, for all of us. Let me tell you what I found out. Just in my counseling with married couples, 
and, and, and also with the statistics that we know to be real and true inside the church, the number one cause of divorce today is infidelity in the marriage. Number one cause. Let me tell you how all of that happens. It happens usually through very small things. Things that we view as small battles that we don't really see as a big deal. When a husband or a wife begins confiding in the opposite sex over things that are going on in their life that they should only be talking to with their husband or their wife, it leads to an emotional attachment that many times, most of the time, leads to a physical attraction and so on and so forth. But it starts with something that we see as being very small things. So let me tell you something, husbands. Guard your marriage. Let me tell you something, wives. Guard your marriage. You don't need to be discussing things outside the home with the opposite sex that should only be discussed inside the home with your husband or wife. Don't make that emotional attachment that leads to a physical attraction that so on and so forth leads to other things that can lead to a huge defeat for you and your family. Now, let me give you another small thing, gossip. See, everybody sees that as a small deal, but that's, that's not at all how the, the, the Bible talks about it. Let's look with, with me, if you will, to the book of James. James, chapter number 3. Let's, let's look at verse 1. We're going to read the first five verses. James is talking here to the church. And he says, My brethren, we know the brethren to be his brothers and sisters in Christ. Be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great, are driven by fierce winds, yet are they turned about by a very small helm. Whithersoever the governor or the captain listeth. Verse 5. Even so the tongue, watch this now, it's a very little member when compared to the rest of the body, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. What's that mean? What comes out of your mouth can control your whole body. Are you getting that? So many times that thing that we see is small, so small, that unwholesome talk, that unwholesome speech, that, that, that can come out of your mouth in the form of gossip and in many other ways, the, the Bible says that causes things to happen in your life. Are you getting me? Be careful what you speak. You have the power, the Bible says, to speak life or to speak death. And a lot of times what happens inside the body of believers, because of gossip, you speak death and pronounce death on the ministry that God wants to do in His church. And the ministry that God wants to do with His people. There's an old song that I love. It says, go and tell Jesus on me if my faults and failures you see. If you are my brother, then go tell another. Go and tell Jesus on me. What's the song saying? 
Don't blab about it to everybody else. If you see faults and failures in your brothers and sisters in Christ, bring it unto the Lord. Men, pray for it. Because when you begin to pray, guess what happens? You are talking to the one who has the power to fix that situation. I don't, I'm not saying we don't deal with trouble. We don't deal with conflicts. We don't deal with problems inside the body of Christ. I'm just saying we deal with them in the right way for the right reason at the right time. God's way. And in the meantime, you tell Jesus on those you see faults in. Amen. Be careful how you speak. That can be seen as a very small battle that all, and believe me, it's all of us. All of us face that. That, that can be seen as a very small thing, but it can lead to a huge defeat in your life. Small battles can and many times do lead to huge defeat. In the life of a believer, individually, and collectively as a church. Fight the small battles well. Can you say amen? Let me give you the second, second thing that I really want you to see here. Not only do small battles lead to huge defeats many times, but great victory is often followed by great defeats. That's what we see. In Joshua chapter 5, like I said, they had overcame Jericho. But when it, they, they got to Ai, which is a much smaller battle, they suffered a huge defeat. And, and many times that's what happens in our life as believers. We suffer these, or have these great victories, and many times, and most of the time, they're followed by great defeats. And there's some reasons for that. I think a lot of the reason is that we become prideful in the, in the victory that we've gained and forget God. And I think that's what happened with them. I'm amazed at how, just talking about in the, in the flesh, and the physical, when, when a football team has a great victory, you better watch out the next week. When they've, when they've went 5-0 uh, and or 6-0, and you, you better really watch out because a lot of times what will happen, they'll get prideful in themselves. And even the smallest battle can lead to a huge defeat because of their own pride. Now what's true in the, in the physical in that sense is also true in the spiritual. Many times we, saw, we, we have these great victories by the power of God inside the body of Christ. And, and we, we get to the point where we get prideful in ourselves. And when we start getting prideful, we forget to pray. We don't need God anymore. We can just do what we did last time. Right? These people got to Ai. They didn't pray. They didn't seek the Lord. They didn't want God's direction. They just decided they'd do their own thing because, after all, they'd already conquered Jericho. So, so what do we need to do? What do we need to realize? Well, we need to realize two things. First of all, the sins of two different groups. The sin of a nation is the first thing that I want you to see. They were careless. They were careless. They didn't prepare for the battle, really. They thought, man, we can just go up and whoop this small city. We'll even take all of our army. We'll just take 3,000 men. That'll be plenty. They were careless. They were prideful. They forgot to pray, and it cost them dearly. Let me tell you something, Mount Zion. We've seen some great victories. We've seen God bless. We've seen God move. We've seen God grow our church. 
And that's an amazing thing. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so proud to be a part of it. Can't wait to see what God's going to do. But let us not get prideful in ourselves and forget to pray and seek God's direction in everything that we do. Wow, we need Him. Three things that will keep you from getting careless. Let me give, let give them to you real quick. First of all, again, you seek God's direction. That happens through prayer. Secondly, you seek God's disciplines. What are God's disciplines? They're outlined for us in the Word of God. That's how we live our life. You seek God's direction through prayer. You seek God's disciplines through the study of God's Word. And, and thirdly, listen to me now, you, you seek um, God's also, his defense. You rely upon God to fight the battles you don't even know nothing about. And to overcome what you and I can't overcome. Don't get careless and just go through the motions. But listen, don't experience spiritual victory and just put it on cruise control. Continually seek God daily, individually in your life through prayer. Continually seek God's disciplines through the study of the Word of God and continually seek God's defense. Say, God, I can't fix the situation, but I know you can. You are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You are Jehovah Nisi, my banner. Before I go into the battle, you go before me. You are Jehovah Sidkenu, my righteousness. Trust God for who He is and follow Him, seeking His direction. Let us as a people of God, as a church, never get careless. May you never get careless individually in your walk with Christ. Don't put it on cruise control. Seek God daily. And I don't even need to notice the sin of the nation but also you need to notice the sin of one individual man the sin of Achan if the sin of the nation was carelessness the sin of Achan was covetousness look how the Bible says it watch this look in, look in Joshua chapter 7 verse number 2 for in many things let me get to the book of Joshua I'm still in the book of James Joshua 7, verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Now, for us to really set this up, let's go back to Joshua chapter 6 and listen to what God said. Joshua chapter 6, verse number 18. This is how God directed the people of what they should do and shouldn't do after the battle of Jericho. It says in verse 18, And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed. When ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel curse and trouble it, but all the silver, watch this now, and all the gold and the vessels of brass and the iron are consecrated unto the Lord, and they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So it said what God is saying is when Jericho is defeated and the and the city walls fall down flat, nobody needs to take of the silver and the gold and the brass. All of that, these precious metals, are for the Lord. You say, Well now wait a minute, Brother Israel. I thought to the victor goes the spoils. Well, you've got to realize who the victor is. Who gained the victory in Jericho? Certainly wasn't the people. All they did, they didn't, they, didn't even, they didn't fight one man. All they did was march around the city, you remember? It was God that gave the victory. 
And so God says, you don't take of the silver and the gold and the brass. That's for me. But then the Bible tells us in Joshua 7, that's exactly what Achan did. He took of that which was not his. Why? Because he began to covet in his heart. What does it mean to covet? It's a very serious thing. To covet means that you want that which is unlawful for you. Whatever that is. What do you covet in your own heart and life that God says you shouldn't have? Dr. Adrian Rogers gave my favorite definition for covetousness. He said that covetousness is an unlawful desire that grows in the soul of an unsatisfied heart. When you are not satisfied, with knowing God and having what God gives and you're not content with the blessings you have then that covetousness comes from a desire in your fleshly human heart that is not godly. Are you getting me? And there's a progression that takes place. Joshua chapter 7 says this. Verse number 20, Achan comes clean about what he's done. Watch what it says. Joshua 7 verse 20, And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus have I done. When I saw, everybody say Saul. That's the first thing. He put his eyes on something he shouldn't have. That God said, that's not yours. And when he put his eyes on something that he shouldn't have, that God said wouldn't he is. Again, what you allow into the eye gate matters. I'm reminded of King David. Do you remember King David? The Bible says when all the other kings went out to war, that David stayed home and he was up on his balcony one night and looked down and he saw Bathsheba bathing. Now, was there anything wrong for Bathsheba to be doing what she was doing in her own house? No. Was there anything wrong with David getting up on the balcony? No. Was there really anything wrong with him looking out there and accidentally seeing something? No, but let me tell you what was wrong. He kept looking. He kept looking. Dr. David Jeremiah says something that I love, man. That brother says a lot of things I love, but he said that many times we can't keep impure thoughts from entering our mind. No more than we can keep the birds from flying around our head. But we certainly can keep the birds from making a nest in our hair. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. What you see, you begin to dwell on. And before long, what you dwell on, you begin to covet. And you have an unlawful desire for something God says is not yours. Amen. 
Now, I don't know what you're struggling with, but that works for everything. See, you can covet a man's wife. You can covet a man's truck. You can covet a man's house. You can covet a man's job or woman's. Whatever the case may be. Be careful what you covet. He saw it. Then the Bible says, verse 21, When I saw the spoils of a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them. What you see leads to what you covet. And I took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. And I want you to get this. Not only did he see it and begin to cover it, uh, covet it, but then he began to cover it. Isn't that how it usually works with sin? Do you see that progression? We see it. We covet it, whatever it is. Then we cover it. And I'm sure Achan thought nobody else knows what I've done. Wrong. Wrong. Wrong for him and wrong for me and wrong for you. Truth is, it don't matter if I can hide it from you. And the truth is, it don't matter if you can hide it from me. Because none of us can hide it from the God who sits on high. Who knows our hearts. And he's who matters. Amen? The third thing that I want you to see. Private sin. Usually, most of the time. Has public consequences. Watch. We know this to be true from the story. Um, Joshua chapter 7 verse 5 and the men of Ai smote of them about 30 and 6 men why were these 36 men killed in the battle because of Achan's sin his private sin had public consequence none of the men died at Jericho not only did it cost the men who fought in the battle it also cost those that were closest to Achan. Watch. Go down to Joshua chapter 7, verse 22. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran into the tent. And behold, it was hid in his tent and the silver under it. And they took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua and unto all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold and his sons and his daughters and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent. And all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. Now watch. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them. Everybody see that? Them with fire. Achan's private sin had public consequence. What you do and what I do, not only does it affect us, it affects those closest to us. 
does that get anybody? Because, man, when I read that, that got me. That broke me this, um, this morning. Oh, my gosh. I, I began looking at all the areas that I failed the Lord. And I began to realize what I do not only matters for me, it matters for this one and that one right there and their mama and their sister downstairs. It matters for all of you. Because we're many members in one body, ain't we? Now then, let me say something to you. Don't cover your sin. Repent of your sin. You may tell you why, because God is gracious. See, some of you are here this morning, you're hearing this message, you think, man, I've blown it. I've blown it here and I've blown it there. Guess what? Join the crowd. I've blown it here and I've blown it there too. All of us have. That's why we all need God's grace. I've blown it as a husband. I've blown it as a father. I've blown it as a pastor. I've blown it as a witness. I've blown it as a employee. Not that I want to. Not that I'm trying to. I perfectly purpose daily to please God, but I realize I'm still in this flesh. And when I look at myself, I get sick of me. And I understand what Paul is saying when he says, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? It's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And the good news is, the good news is, we can repent of our sin, confess it to the Lord. And 1 John 1, 9 says, He's faithful to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So listen to me, believer. I think we can all find ourselves from time to time in Achan's position. If we take an honest look at our life. God's grace is available for you, but you can't keep covering it. You got to repent of it. Turn from that which you covet and turn wholly to the Lord. Young people, you think it's a small thing that you're experimenting sexually with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. It's not a small thing. It can lead to a huge defeat in your life. Huge defeat. God's got something great for you. Don't throw it away by losing small battles. You think it's a small thing, that habit in your life that you know is not pleasing to God. It's not a small thing. Don't allow a small battle to cause you a huge defeat with you, whatever that might be. God is able. God is able to clean us up and use us for His honor and His glory. Do you believe that? I do too. I've experienced it. If he can do it for me, he can do it for anybody. See, if you think you've you found a perfect church, keep looking. Because the truth is, all of, all, we're some messed up people. All of us. Every one of us need God's grace. 
just like you do. So I fall down before the cross and say, Lord, I need you. I need you in this area and that area. And God, you know my heart. You know my mind. You know what I covet and what I don't. You know me. Here I am. That's what God wants. Let me caution you. If you are bound by sin, you are bound to suffer. Hear that. If you choose to keep doing that same old thing, whatever it is, you're bound to sin, you're bound to suffer. An old pastor told me something years ago I'll never forget. He said, sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go, keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay, and cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. But I've got great news. God forgives sin today. Everybody stand together. I don't know what God spoke to your heart. I don't know what's going on in your life. I just know me. And I know the same God that, that His grace is available for me is available for you. And if you need him today for anything, won't you come? If you're here today and you've never yet been born again, you've never trusted in Jesus as your personal Savior, and you know you're not saved, today's the day of salvation. I want you to come this morning to say, brothers, I need to be saved. And I can't save you and walking this aisle don't save you and being in this church don't save you, but I can share with you through the word of God what it means to trust in Jesus, to be born again. If you need to do that today, you come. If you're here and you're a child of God, there's just some things in your life, some unconfessed sin in your life, that maybe even you've covered. Don't cover it. Repent of it. God knows what you need and He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He's faithful and just to forgive you if you'll ask Him. 